Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, an organization founded in 2007 committed to empowering people to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today, I'm joined by Tara Happy, a food waste solution leader and teacher in New Hampshire at Hollis Elementary. So Tara, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Glad you're doing this. Awesome. So can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and maybe how long you've been a teacher, uh, maybe what grade level you teach, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, I teach at Envi- I teach environmental science at Hollis Primary School. So we serve kindergarten through third grade students. Um, we have a lower elementary and an upper elementary, so I'm at that lower elementary. I've worked here as an environmental science teacher for about five years. And I see every student once a week. So it's a little bit different in that I don't teach a classroom. I, um, I pull from each classroom. So I, I, I teach every single classroom. Um, prior to this, I worked for about 10 years at Beaverbrook, which is a local nature center here in town. They do a lot of field trips and, and um, nature outreach programs, that sort of thing. So, Tara, we are kindred spirits because I was a elementary physical education teacher for nine years, a special area teacher. So, is your is your team the art teacher, the physical education yep. teacher? Or? Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> yep. So, we could tell some stories. Yeah, about how you get to teach every single child. In exactly. School. <laughs> yeah, yep. you have to know everybody's name and have yep. those awkward moments where you're looking right at them and have a senior moment where you're like, I just don't remember. Yeah, because there's so many of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, how did you become interested in this issue of school food waste? Well, food waste kind of became like a thing for me when I first began to spend some time in our school cafeteria and actually was on like lunch duty and was forced to hang out in there for long periods of time while the kids were eating. And so I got to kind of witness what they actually threw away. And at that moment, I was like, this is insane because they were just throwing away so much food and not just like the food that they didn't eat. Like, oh, I tried a bite of this corn and it turns out I don't like it because it's not what my mom made. But it was just like they're throwing away perfectly good unopened containers of milk and cheese sticks and entire applesauce cups and it's going in. And I buy food for my family. I know what all that is is worth. Um, And it's not it's not trash. Like there's no absolutely no need to be putting that in the garbage. Um. And it was just like, I couldn't even stand near the trash cans. So I I kind of would like hide in the corner when everybody was throwing their stuff away. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to like rescue this food. So then I would stand by the trash cans and then just be like grabbing things from kids and be like, you didn't even open that cheese stick. And so then I would sit there with my hands full of applesauce cups and granola bags, just trying to save what I could from from going into the trash. And I, I just don't think it's even sending a very good message to the kids. It's just telling the kids, oh, yeah, just just throw that away. You don't want it. Just put it in the garbage. Um, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. I think that was where I was like, I kind of like snapped. I was like, OK, this has got to stop. <laughs> oh, I love talking to people around the country about this issue because <laughs> not, every, not everybody cares about it. But the people who do, it drives them insane. It's ridiculous. You know? like, why would you throw away perfectly good food? And then tell a kid to do that. Like we're supposed to be educating them and kind of teaching to the whole child and to turn around and, and tell somebody, oh, you didn't open that yogurt container, put it in the garbage is just, yep. I don't know, not my thing. I, I always talk about like if an alien you know came, we were trying to explain, like, here's what we do with our unopened food. We just <laughs> in the trash. Yeah, just yeah, put it in the what? trash. And the, t- next, tomorrow they're going to give you another one. You can put that one in the trash too. It turns out you hate yogurt. You just keep buying it because you want the cheese stick. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Yeah. So, anyway. so anyway, after, <laughs> yeah, after you noticed all those things, um, kind of tell me, walk our audience through maybe a little bit what you did, what you know, how you went about doing something about it. Um, well, in the beginning, um, I started to kind of like enlist the help of other adults in some of the other lunch duty areas because I would only be responsible for a certain grade. So I knew that this same thing was happening in some of the other grades. So I was trying to get like as many people on board. And so we kind of would start this little collection of stuff at at the end of the day. And I didn't really have anything to do with it. There was no rhyme or reason, no process. Um, So I kind of, well, honestly, I kind of gave up for a bit. I was like, there's nothing I can do. Um, And I just went back to just doing, and I think our schedule kind of changed. I was out of the cafeteria, so I knew it was happening in there, but I wasn't really seeing it. So I was like, oh, just went about my day. Um, And we have always, at our school, we've always composted in the classrooms. That's something that as environmental science, I've always taught the children about how to uh, backyard composting. We have worms in the classroom and we have a a large garden area. So I tried to start to kind of just up the composting program. So I would bring compost buckets into the classroom or into, they were already in the classroom, but then I would bring them into the cafeteria. And then I got back in the cafeteria and I saw the food waste again. And I was like, I got to do something. Um, But even then there was really no process to it. So we just kept composting and taking what we could. And it was kind of random and haphazard. But that is when I just happened to come across Paul um, Car- Car- Karpowicz. See? Yep, I, I, I tried three times yesterday <laughs> and I got it the third time. So. Yeah. So, because um, we were actually composting so much fruit and vegetable, like so many fruit and vegetable scraps, that I was beginning to be worried that we wouldn't really have enough room to store them. Because in the winter here in New Hampshire, composting outside kind of shuts down for a while because the world turns into a freezer here. So I was concerned about where I would put stuff. So I reached out to a local company that collects compost from households and and other businesses and asked if they could possibly do a collection if needed. And that's how I met Paul. And so we went back and forth and he was like just appalled that we were actually doing composting and very surprised that, that we were pulling that off. Um, and so we started going back and forth, and that's when he was telling me about this grant from the World Wildlife Fund. And so he went through that whole grant process and wrote that all up over the summer. And um, that's how we started to at least put some process to the food waste um, diversion that I was trying to randomly do um, with no rhyme or reason. <laughs> So, so you wrote the grant, got the funding, and you know, the program goes into existence. Tell me what it actually looks like. A student, you know, goes into the lunch line, comes out with a tray, and then what happens? Yeah, so at the end of lunch, if a student is finished, they simply take their tray, and they kind of just walk down a line. I've always explained it as kind of like a backwards cafeteria line, where usually they're giving you food. Now the students are being asked to give back their trash, but to kind of sort it along the way. So the first thing that they would do is empty their milk container into a giant bucket. Um, They empty their milk into this bucket, and now their milk container is empty so that we can recycle the milk carton. So all of the milk cartons go into another container so that they can be taken to the recycling um, place in the back of the school. And then the next container is for, well, so at that point, they've gotten rid of their milk and their milk carton. And now on their tray, they have, well, in their mind, they have all trash. So we really it took a while to, to kind of get it, it kind of, I don't know, 
to explain to them that they yes that everything on there is trash but they have two different kinds of trash they have trash trash and food trash oh wait i forgot a really important part um okay. so um before they empty their milk that's when the still good food gets taken off the tray so that is the first thing that they do so going into the the food line what they do first is they take all of their still good items the things that are not opened yet like their cheese sticks and their milks and they put them in a little bucket we have some uh ice packs on the bottom to keep it cold and they just put all of their still good food there and they'll also save like ketchup packets and like utensil packets that they didn't open because maybe they didn't use their spork so all of that stuff gets put into a bucket or on a table first then they empty their milk into the bucket so that we can recycle the milk carton and then they have on their tray they have trash trash and then their food trash so at that point they take all of their trash trash, which is like their wrappers, um, maybe their used napkin, their straw, and they put that into the trash container. And then they simply just put the rest of their food trash into the last container. Um, and then they put their tray down and they go on their way. That's kind of it. So speaking with Paul yesterday, he I think it was Paul that told me this. I hope I'm not misspeaking here but did he tell 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 me that you had a respect the cow initiative that you did or (laughs) oh yes we do we have a a ginormous inflatable cow named oreo um Uh because what i started to like learn is that we were throwing away a ton of milk so all of that milk going into the bucket and that was kind of why i started to take data on it at all um and my husband would be so proud because he works in data but we just like we were throwing away so much milk. So we started weighing the milk and weighing the food separately. And we were learning that we were throwing away just as much weight in milk that we were with food. So with the couple and since I have classes with every single class, I was able to kind of talk about that with the kids and think about, well, this milk, a lot of effort went into making this milk in this little carton. And then you're just going to just open it up and have a sip and dump it out. Um, and so it kind of cycled back to where did this milk come from? Well, it came from a cow and the cow worked really hard on making that milk. The cow, um, someone had to feed that cow. They had to grow that food to feed the cow. Then the cow had to make the milk and that's like hard work to make a milk, make the milk. Um, and eventually we got into the like shipment of milk and milk was put into cartons and then we bought that milk and then somebody had to carry that milk all the way into the cafeteria. So it all cycled back to respect the cow and the kids came up with it. I had no idea, but if the cow went to all that effort to make the milk and it was brought to our school, you should at least drink it. Um, uh, just that story. So we were just trying the- to just kind of, and it, and it kind of worked. Like we were managed to cut our milk in half, like our milk waste because the kids every now and then Oreo, the cow comes just strutting through the cafeteria. Um, it causes complete chaos Um, But then you see everybody, you could just watch the kids and they're all grabbing their milk carton and like chugging back their milk because, oh, the cow's here. Respect the cow. So they've made signs for the tables and everything. So you have to get kind of created when you're when you're trying to convince a six year old to keep drinking all of his milk. (laughs) For sure. So you hit on data. So let's 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 talk about that because we love data at K-12 Food Rescue. (laughs) Tell me. Tell me what you have discovered, you know, in the time that you've been doing it and what, uh, what you might be able to share you've learned. Yeah. So I, and I know that some people data is their thing. It might not be my thing, but that is how you kind of prove to people what's happening. And I just wanted to be able to, in the beginning, it was kind of interesting to just keep track of things. And then I would think of something else to keep track of. 
Um, but it was kind of the reason I started to collect the data and it sounds really horrible is that I wanted to prove to somebody that this was making a difference. I wanted to prove to somebody sure. in some business yeah. office that's never stepped foot into a cafeteria. Um, I just wanted to let them know what was actually being thrown away, what we were saving from going straight into the garbage, where that was going, uh, just to be able to promote continuing the program next year. This grant was like a one year, one year deal. Um, and the and Paul might we might come up with another grant that helps fund it for another year, but there's no guarantee. And we're going to pay as a school. We're paying to remove our trash in some way. So yeah. we should just maybe actually we've been able to lower our dump. We gave kind of traded in a trash dumpster for a recycled dumpster and we pay less to take out recycling. I just thought that somebody would care somewhere about the money savings that this was was providing. Yeah. Um, and we've learned that like kids like certain types of yogurt. So the cafeteria workers were able to kind of shift the type of yogurt that we were buying. We've learned that. Um, maybe going forward that there could be like a smaller version of a cheeseburger that exists because a kindergartner cannot eat the entire cheeseburger. Just little things like that, that I don't think anyone has ever really thought about before. So give me an idea um, at the elementary school at Hollis. Um, and you're saying is, this is K through three that you're working with. Is that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like Paul said, it was like 350 students. Was that about right? Yeah, probably. Uh, we have about about 100 per grade. So, how many on on average, you know, during during a one day, would you say unopened and unpeeled food items that can be rescued, would you say get placed on the share table or donated to a food pantry in any type of way? If you were just guessing based on what they data you've seen, um, per day. Well, yeah. it depends on if we're serving raisins. Um, <laughs> on a raisin and applesauce day, it could be like 40 to 50 different items. Because um, we usually will have about 10 or 20 different milk cartons, um, cheese sticks. We always have those type of things. Um, so it's kind of hard to give like a daily average. But it can be anywhere. Sometimes, sometimes we don't really have that much. Sometimes the kids actually eat it all. Um, so we tell people, you know, if I'm hearing, if I'm hearing sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 20, it's probably fair to say, you know, it's an average of 30. Um, and I tell people all the time, you know, school teachers, we're a little busy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to stop and be able to count everything. But if you have right. data from, you know, a one week period or even a one day period, you have the ability to project out an average, much like I always talk about the Nielsen ratings, you know, when they talk about television viewing, they don't pick the whole country. They pick about 100 people or 1,000 people or whatever, and that gives people a general idea of habits. But if we said there were 30 items a day times 180 school days, that would be 5,400 food items um, annually just from these, you know, K through three students, yeah. which is about you know half of a building basically for some schools. You know they get up to six or seven hundred students, so you know that's a that's a lot of food. And if I say, well, each one of those items weighs a quarter of a pound, I could divide that by four, and I get that down to one thousand three hundred fifty pounds, and I divide that by one point two, which is the pounds that are in a in a in a meal according to the uh, the Feeding America, and I get 1,125 meals that have been kept from going into a landfill, um, not to mention the, the 
the uh, impact that it's having on kids seeing that there's a better better thing to do than throw it in the basically feed families instead of landfill right. is kind of what we said yeah no yeah. sure yeah definitely and your math actually kind of works out because i know we have as our, our total count is about five thousand um yep. different items that have been saved well i've only done it a few times <laughs> <laughs> Well, my favorite number to quote yeah, is the yeah. cheese sticks, 850 yeah. cheese sticks or something. It's insane. Yeah, crazy. Um, so, you know, you acquire this data, but implementing all these solutions in this program is another thing. Um, if you had to look back on it, do you think implementing it was relatively simple or did you experience substantial hurdles that you think are worth mentioning? Um, I think that the concept is simple and looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, that was easy. Uh, but in the moment, I believe that it was kind of tricky because it was something I hadn't done before. Uh, I wasn't really, I didn't really have a lot of feedback from others who had done it before. So I would just kind of, a lot of trial and error just to get the process down. Like the basic concept is very easy. You put your still good food here, you empty your milk, you throw away your stuff, you put your tray down. But now I'm trying to convince a five-year-old to do that on their own. And that gets a little more complicated. So it just took a little bit of time to get going. There were definitely things that we learned along the way, uh, one of which I had no idea food was so heavy. So there were some mm. times when I was wrestling a very large bag of food that was like 60 plus pounds. And it was quite, yeah, I had to get help. It was interesting. So kind of like just when to tra change out the bags, um, kind of tricks to explaining things to very young students that there's this trash trash and then there's your food trash. That was a big concept they had to, to catch on to. Or even explaining that, yes, you have this little marinara cup, and I know that there's food in there, but we're not going to get all of that food because they were very dedicated to getting all the food out. Um, so we just a lot of learning, trial and error things. It wasn't wasn't hard. If you had older kids, this would be a piece of cake. Um, it's just that I was working with five, six, seven-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so is there, is there any advice that you'd offer people that might be interested, um, in starting a school food waste solution program or energy conservation initiatives in their school? Oh, sure. I think if you want to start, you should just go for it. And I don't think that you should just jump all into collecting all the stuff immediately, but maybe mm -hmm. do like a baby step, maybe consider trying to save or come up with a process to rescue those non-perishable items because you don't need a refrigerator for that. You can, you got a lot of time to figure out a place to deal with it. We send a lot of our stuff to N68 hours of hunger. And I don't know how widespread that is across the country, but I feel like in this area, it's very common. Um, so just starting with something small or even just composting with one classroom, getting a little compost bin. Um, and then as you go and you like, you perfect how that one process works you can kind of start to add to it so you don't overwhelm yourself or overwhelm the building i think a lot of the success here came from that we started slow and i took on a lot of the responsibility myself and didn't kind of force others to take on this responsibility teachers are busy they have a million things going on there's no way i'm going to ask a classroom teacher to wash out their compost bucket it's just not going to happen otherwise that teacher's like nope not doing that anymore so to kind of be realistic about what schools can actually um, actually do, too. Boy, that's just great advice. I appreciate you uh, sharing all of that. So if yeah. anyone's interested in learning more about uh, what you're doing and um, you know how to fight school food waste in general, could they reach out to you in some way? And how might they do that? Oh, of course. Um, they could, I guess email would probably be the easiest. 
my email is tara.happy. It's T-A-R-A dot H-A-P-P-Y at SAU41.org. I would be happy to help somebody if it makes it a little easier on them. Well, that's my hope that someone will hear it. And uh, Paul had mentioned that he connected with one of our guests from Maryland um, last week. So it's just great that, uh, you know, that people can hear the stories of other people and how they're doing it. And that we can just spread this movement around the country that's so ridiculous about how much food's being wasted in school. So I appreciate that you're championing things there at Hollis Elementary. And I appreciate you joining me today on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much. All right. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Bye.